Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. All right, so welcome everyone uh, to our uh, Wednesday night Bible study. As you know, we're going through Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Now, tonight, before I get to the subject at hand, I, I want there's something I want to say, something I want to cover that I've been wanting to say for two or three weeks. Um, I've had discussions with Pastor Henry about it. I've had discussions with, with Chuck about it. And uh, I, I just had too much stuff the last few weeks, but I want to I, I talk about it tonight uh, before we get to the subject of uh, evangelists. Would you agree with me that we live in a culture that seems uh, obsessed or infatuated with celebrities? Would you, would you, would you agree with that? And in fact, I, when I look at the world, it seems like our values are, are upside down. We, we elevate and pay millions of dollars to people who are rich and famous and entertain us, but yet the people that serve us and teach us and save our lives are down here somewhere. It, it's like the whole world is um, upside down. And in case you think that's going to change anytime soon, I, I've got news for you that, it, that it's not. And I think this next statistics points this out. In a survey, a recent survey, I think it was 2021, 2022, in a survey of 2,000 young Americans aged 13 to 21, when asked, what do you want to do with your life? 86% said they wanted to become a social media influencer. Not a doctor, not a nurse, not a policeman, not a fireman, not, not those type of things. I want to be rich and famous. Because they start out looking at those phones and they want to be what's on that phone, right? And so, so this is not going away. And that's our culture. And there's not, you know, uh, much we can do about that. The problem is, is that the church itself is not immune to this same thing. We also elevate celebrity. When you really think about it, uh, we, we look at people who are megachurch pastors or people who have uh, written best-selling books, or we look at people who are, have got a big following on YouTube or Facebook or things like that, and, and, and for some reason or other, we elevate these people. We look to them for advice. We look to them to, to lead us. We look to them as though somehow they're, they're better standing with God than that saint who's been serving in a little church for 40 years and nobody knows their name. We do the same thing. We fall into that, that, that same thing. And, and the reason you think, well, you may say, well, what's this got to do with the fivefold ministry? What's this got to do with our lesson? Well, one of the things that's become very, very evident to me over the last few weeks as I've studied this subject, I can't tell you how many articles I've read, how many sermons I've listened to, how many teachings I've listened to, how many commentaries I've read. And, and the problem that I see is every single one of them seem to elevate the gifts. In fact, let's just be honest, the, the name, the fivefold ministry, elevates 
the gifts. In, in fact, if I could put it in a picture, I would think most people, if I said, draw me a picture of what the fivefold ministry looks like, you, you might get a picture like this. We see the gifts kind of up top, right? Uh, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and, and then they're kind of at the top, right? And then all the saints are down, down below, kind of doing, you know, doing what, what they do. And, and I think this is just what we do. And, and every, like I said, every, every sermon I've listened to, every commentary I've read seems to focus almost exclusively on the gifts and not on what the gifts are supposed to produce or what the gifts are, spo- are in the church uh, for. I think this picture right here is completely wrong. I think it's completely wrong. And in fact, look at Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Look at the whole point of the of the gifts, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, what are they there for? To equip the saints. So I got this, actually, I got this idea a few weeks ago from Steve McLean. Instead of having a kind of a top-down chart like this, what if we looked at it like this? Because I think this is what Ephesians 4, 11, 12 is teaching. The gifts are there to support the saints, I think Pastor Henry did excellent uh, two or three weeks ago when he did his sermon on this and he gave the, the example of the football team. Uh, th- it's not the coaches who are the stars. It's not the trainers. It's not the water boys. It's, it's the guys on the field who are playing. They're, they're the stars. They deserve the honor. They deserve the accolades. The coaches, the trainers, the water boys, they're just there to support them. And I think this is what we want. This, I, this has been on my mind so much the last few weeks is that this is what, in, in my mind, this is what the fivefold ministry is, all, is supposed to be all about. Listen, those things on the bottom, they're not special. They're gifts. You got one of those, it's a gift. God gave it to you. He could just as easily have given it to somebody else. You didn't earn it. You didn't merit it. You didn't deserve it. It's just a gift. And you're there to support so I, I want, what we want is the saints to get the honor, the saints to get the accolade, the saints to be the stars. So what's happened over the last few weeks, and, and by the way, you guys understand, if, if, if we looked at this as like a, uh, you know, going on a, a, a journey on a ship, we, I'm not even sure we've pushed away from the dock yet, right? We're still stocking the ship and figuring out a few things. But one of the things that's become clear to me is I don't want to call it the fivefold ministry. I think we need to change the name. And the reason for that is I'm thinking five years down the road, somebody comes into our church and, and they're interested in joining and they say something like, well, hey, what, do you, what, what, what model of ministry do you guys use? If you say the fivefold ministry, that immediately comes with certain baggage. It comes with certain connotations. As I said, even the name seems to elevate the gifts. But what if we said, we, we go by the All Saints ministry? And somebody might say, well, what is that? I never heard of it. And we're able to explain to them, oh, we believe that every joint is equipped, that every part is to be uh, working properly, that the body is built up in love by the saints doing what they're equipped to do. It's a completely different focus. Now, I don't, you know... If y'all remember in Pastor Henry's sermon a couple of weeks, he threw that out. And I don't know if that's what we go with at the end of the day. But the point being is we want to make sure from as, as early as we can that you understand and everybody in this church understands that the focus of our ministry is always going to be equipping the saints. Always going to be equipping 
the saints. Okay? Now, like I said, I thought it was important to say, so we come back tonight to the sixth lesson, um, and that is we're going to be looking at the gift of evangelism or the gift of, of evangelists. Uh, again, the relevant, relevant scriptures tonight, uh, just verses 11 and 12, and he gave, and one of the gifts that he gave was the evangelist, once again, to equip the saints for work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, the word evangelist is just a very plain, it was a, it was a, a secular Greek word, and what it meant in that day of the New Testament, it just meant somebody who brings good news. Somebody who heralds good news or announces good news or, or, or proclaims good news. And so the, the New Testament writers, of course, use this word because we have the best news of all. Uh, I, I ran across, a, as I was doing this study uh, this past week, I ran across a guy who had a really interesting article. He, uh, he was at a convention and somebody uh, challenged the, the people that were there to encapsulate the gospel into one statement. Just encapsulate the gospel. And boy, he said he, he took that as a challenge and he, and he went home and he worked on it and worked on it and he was trying to get the cross in there and get atonement in there and get, get forgiveness in there and grace in there and, and all of this stuff. And he finally said after about three or four days, he realized that he couldn't do any better than that that he couldn't do any better than for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the good news, folks. That's the gospel in a, in a nutshell. So an evangelist is one in the church. An evangelist is one who announces or proclaims the good news that Jesus Christ has come to save those who are Lost. Now, the question is, is this gift of evangelism for the church today? Now, you may find that an odd question. You may think, well, of course it is. I mean, we all, if you, if you grew up in church, you probably grew up with evangelists coming and preaching messages. We have an evangelist here, Brother, uh, Brother Bill Jenkins. And, and uh, so you might think, well, that's an odd question. But if you go out and you read, you will run across so often or ever so often, or, or, or uh, hear somebody say it in a sermon, or you'll read it in an article, that there are those out there that will say there is no spiritual gift called evangelism. And if you read a little further or listen a little further, I, I kind of understand where they're coming from. You see, they don't want Christians thinking that they're off the hook for sharing their faith just because they don't have a gift. Are you with me? They'll say that they're afraid that if they say, yes, there is a gift of evangelism, that all of us that don't have that gift will say, well, I, I'm going to let them handle it then. And so what they'll do is they'll say, well, there is no gift. You're responsible for it. But let me tell you, at the end of the day, they're both true. It's not one or the other. And in fact, I think this is a, 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 a very good time to make a really important point about spiritual gifts. And that is, some gifts are virtues that every single Christian should have. Some gifts, not all, but some gifts are things that everybody should do. Let me give you an example. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. And I covered this back a couple years ago when we went through the book of Romans. Paul says this, 
he's going to lift seven. He's going to lift seven spiritual gifts, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them. If you're going to prophesy, then use it in proportion to your faith. If service, then use it in serving. The one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads, do it with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Now, Paul lists seven spiritual gifts, but four of those are things that every single Christian should do in their life. Okay, let me go through those. For example, serving. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, say it with me, serve one another. Every single Christian is called in some way to serve one another. But there are certain Christians who are given an extraordinary ability to serve, and that is a spiritual gift. You see the same thing with exhortation, which means to encourage or, or urge people on. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Every Christian, you're, you're called to exhort those that are in your sphere, in your family, your friends, those that you're brought in contact. You should urge them on. You should encourage them. You can do this. You can make it. Don't give up. But some Christians are given an extraordinary ability to exhort. And that is a spiritual gift. Giving. Ephesians 4.28, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. As Christians, we are called to give. James says if you see a brother in need and you don't meet that need, you got dead faith. Your faith ain't even real. You, you can't walk away from someone in need. We're all supposed to share. But there are some Christians who have an extraordinary ability to give. And that is a spiritual gift. Finally, mercy. Jesus said in Luke 6, 36, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Can you imagine how ridiculous it is if you're going along and you see somebody that has mercy? How ridiculous would it be as a Christian to say, You know what, that just ain't my gift. I obviously see you need mercy, but I, I, I wish it was my gift. But I, how, how, how crazy is that, right? We're all to show mercy, but some Christians have an extraordinary capability given them by God to show mercy, and that is a spiritual gift. Now, you may ask, well, what about evangelism? What about evangelism? Every Christian, it's the same with evangelism. Every single Christian is called to evangelize. Every single Christian is called to share the good news, to share their faith, regardless of whether you are gifted in that area or not. Let me show you this from Scripture. Acts 1.8, these are the words of Jesus. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. Now, you may think, was he just talking to the apostles? Was he just talking to the, to the big guys? Or was he talking to everybody? Well, this becomes clear as you read through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Watch what this says. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, I don't know why the apostles stayed. 
But all the, all the little people, all the people that had been saved and come into the church, they all ran for their lives. The apostles stayed. But watch what it says. But those who were scattered went about doing what? Preaching the word. You see the same thing in Acts 11. Now, the, the, talking about the same people, those who were scattered because of the persecution on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists or the Greeks or the Gentiles preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. First Peter 3.15, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. First Peter chapter 2 says this, and he's talking about all of us. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. What does he want us to do? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, every single believer from day one is called to be a fisher of men. If you follow Jesus, you are called you are uh, it is your responsibility to proclaim the excellencies of him to those that you meet it's not just a job for the spirit field it's not just a job for the, those that have the gift it's not just a job for the outgoing it's a job for every single one of us that are here uh, tonight now let me before I move on let me just say one more thing to make this very clear so you cannot say right? That's not my gift. I'm going to leave it to other people, okay? That's not an option, right? We are all called to proclaim the good news. But here's the other thing. Evangelism means you got to speak it. Evangelism means you got to say it. It is not a nonverbal witness. Listen, there's a a quote. Many of you have probably heard it. it. It's attributed to Francis of Assisi, uh, come to find out, he never said it. There's no record at all that he ever said it. You see it quoted all the time. But this is the quote. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Now, that's a nice quote. It's, it's just baloney. It's absolute baloney. Folks, listen to me. I'm not saying it's not important that we don't live what we believe. Okay? Your life is a witness. Absolutely. Right? But listen, evangelism is verbal. It's using language. It's using your mouth. It's using words to tell people the good news about Jesus. It's not enough to say, well, I'm just going to let my life be my witness. No, that's not evangelism. In fact, listen to this from Scripture. In fact, let me say this. Dwayne Lifton says it this way, and then we'll look at Scripture. He said, it's simply impossible to preach the gospel without words. The gospel is inherently verbal, and preaching the gospel is inherently verbal behavior. Now, why does he say that? He says it because of what Paul says in Romans 10, 13 through 17. Paul says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's Romans 10, 13. We probably all know that. Then he says this, How will they call on him in him, on him in whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in him of whom they have never what? Heard. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes from and hearing from the word of Christ or the word about Christ. You, you cannot say as a believer, well, I'm just going to let them look at my life. And I'm, that's, no, that's not evangelism. 
Yes, your life should match up with the Bible. Yes, you should live a good and holy life. Yes, you should walk worthy of your calling. But that's not evangelism. Evangelism is telling someone the good news of Jesus Christ, nothing less. They have to hear about him in order to believe. So, with all of that said, we are all responsible to evangelize, but there is a gift of evangelism. Now, it's interesting that in the New Testament of all the gifts, uh, Paul and and the other writers probably talk less about evangelism than any other gift. There's not really much said about it. Uh, A couple things, I'll show you what we do know. Acts 21.8. Luke is writing, he says, On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. So here's this guy named Philip. If you go read the book of Acts, we're introduced to him in Acts chapter 6. You remember the story where the church is starting to grow, and they're trying to feed all the widows, and this uh, dissension arises because it seems like the Jewish widows are getting food before the, the Gentile widows, and they bring it to Peter, and Peter says, look, I ain't got time for this, basically is what he said. I ain't got time for this. He said, find seven men full of the spirit and wisdom and let them handle that stuff. As for us, we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So Philip was one of those, the first seven deacons that were ever uh, appointed. But as we get to the, on down through the book of Acts, you see now he's no longer known as a deacon. Now he's referred to as Philip the evangelist. And we'll talk about why that is in just a bit. Another place that we see evangelists used is in Paul's second letter to Timothy. He begins this letter by saying this, For this reason, Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. So he's telling Peter, reminds him, you got a gift, right? You, You need to fan it. You need to fan that. You need to make sure you do that gift. In the second chapter, he says this, As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Okay? So it's very likely or certainly possible that one of the gifts, at least one of the gifts that he was given was the gift of evangelist because Paul tells him, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Uh, ministry. Of course, one of the reasons we know it's a gift is because of the scripture that's in front of us tonight, Ephesians 4.11, where it says he gave, talking about Jesus, and we know he's talking about gifts, and one of the gifts he lists is the uh, evangelist. Now, here's what I want you to see about this gift. Someone that has the gift of evangelism will use this, can use this gift in a very public manner, but they will also use it in a very private manner. And Philip uh, is, is, again, the, he's really the only example we're given in the New Testament of an evangelist, and both of these things are shown. In Acts chapter 8, uh, it says this, talking again about the persecution, and it says this, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. That, he's doing the work of an evangelist. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. So Philip goes to Samaria, which is, if you know anything about Samaria, they're half-breeds, they're half-Jewish, half-Gentile. The Jews all hate them. 
And Philip goes down there and preaches Jesus. And I guess he just goes to the street corner because it says the crowds with one accord paid attention to him. So wherever this man went, he just, he just shared Jesus. Okay? We see it again, by the way, later in that same chapter. And you guys know the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. The Holy Spirit says to Philip, he's up there in Samaria, which is north of Jerusalem. He says, go down to Gaza. And then, by the way, it's the same Gaza that's in the news today. Go down to Gaza, which is a desert area, and I'll show you what you need to do. So Philip travels all the way down to Gaza. And he gets there, and he sees a chariot going by, and the Spirit says, go now. That's the one you need to talk to. And it says this, verses 26 to 35, there was an Ethiopian, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the Scriptures, and here's the work of an evangelist, he told him the good news about Jesus. Sometimes he's preaching to crowds. Sometimes he's just talking one-on-one. But that's the work of an evangelist. Now, very quickly, what are the characteristics of someone who has this gift? Well, let me give you a few things. Number one, there is a, when somebody has the gift of evangelism, there is a passion for the good news, a passion for the gospel, and a passion, not just a desire to evangelize, but a almost an overwhelming desire to share the good news with people. When you talk to someone with evangelists and you ask them what's their passion, their passion's not going to be fishing. Their passion's not going to be hunting. Their passion is going to be sharing the good news with other people. This is uppermost in their minds. It's a priority for them to share their faith with other people. Uh, Another thing about uh, evangelists is they clearly understand the gospel. They clearly understand the gospel. Um, How can you communicate what you don't understand, right? It should go without saying. Years ago, I taught math classes at TCC a long, long, long time ago. And you can't teach it if you don't understand it. You just can't. You can't proclaim it. You can't explain it. Unless you really understand it. Those with the gift of evangelism understand uh, the gospel. And that leads us to point number three, that they're able to, because they understand it, they're able to explain it clearly. So it's not just enough to understand the truth about Jesus. You've got to be able to explain that truth about Jesus in an understandable way to people who don't know him. Uh, Number four, they have a genuine compassion for the lost. A genuine compassion for the lost. Listen, Jesus said in Matthew 9, 36, it says this, when he saw the crowds, or or Matthew says this about Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. That's That's something for us to meditate on, by the way. I meditated on that this week. How many of us, when we look at the world and we see people doing crazy things, how, how, how many of us just want to judge them? How could you think that way? What are you, what are you stupid? What are you, don't, you know, we just, but Jesus, when he looks at them, he sees them as being harassed and helpless. Like, like sheep that, that have no shepherd. They're just running around. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They're, they're, just, they're just joining up with the latest next sheep that comes along just for, are you with me? He sees them completely different. Somebody with the gift of evangelism sees them the same way. 
They have the heart of Jesus. It doesn't matter who they are. It can be the guy on death row or, 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 or the banker. He, he, he doesn't see them as status or anything like that. He just sees somebody that's lost, somebody that needs Jesus. So somebody that's gifted with, that, with the, the, the gift of evangelism has that burden uh, to, to tell those who do not know, and that burden uh, drives them. I could go on. They certainly have courage. Uh, if you've ever seen anybody that will just witness to anybody, anytime, anywhere, any place, they have a courage and they have a boldness. They also have uh, what I would call relatability. Uh, again, like I just said, they can the, the the guy on the bike that's tatted up, they can talk to him or they can talk to the to the preppy college student. They don't care because the message is the same. They, they, and they can relate to those people. And they're attuned to the Spirit. There's something about somebody that has this gift that, that when the Spirit says that one, they know. And they, they I mean, they, they don't need, they're not like a horse that needs to be pulled hard. It's just a little, little nudge and they, they know and they, and they go. And this should go without saying, but, and you'll understand why I'm saying this here in just a second. Somebody who has the gift is going to evangelize. Okay? You don't, you don't need an evangelist. Somebody with the gift, you don't need them to come up to you and say, hey, I've got the gift of evangelist. Everybody in this church will recognize they got the gift because they're the one witnessing at Publix. They're the one that's talking to the people at Walmart. They're the ones, are you with me? They ain't got to tell you they got it. You'll recognize. You can't help but notice the people who have this um, gift. Now, let's come back to... Uh, our verses tonight, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, because I want to talk about something very specific. I'm afraid, um, how many of you grew up here in the South? How many of you grew up in the South? I'm afraid that this gift has been uh, misunderstood, okay? And, and here's why. If I just say the word evangelist, most of us would probably think of Billy Graham, Right? He's probably the most famous, one of the most famous evangelists if, if that's ever lived. Right? I mean, crusades around the world. I don't know how many people uh, profess Christ under his, his ministry. And that's our kind of our idea uh, of an evangelist. And as I said, if you grew up in, how many of you have grown up in the South and seen a tent uh, on the side of the road? Right? How many of you have been to a tent? Uh, revival. If you grew up here, the idea of revivals and evangelists are almost linked together, right? Churches would have a revival, and who did you invite to speak? You invited the evangelist, and they came and, and spoke. So, in fact, when you think about it, much of our modern conception about what an evangelist is is actually tied to this idea of, of revivals that we grew up with. But here's the thing, does the conception match the Bible? Does what we think about evangelists match what's in Scripture? Now, let me take a step back here, and you'll see where I'm going. I want everybody to understand the purpose of every spiritual gift that God gives is to build up the body of Christ. To build up the body of Christ. Listen to some scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. 1 Peter 4, 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another 
as good stewards of God's varied grace. I could give you others, but the whole point of spiritual gifts is to build each other up. Exhort, you know, the, the exhortation gift is to exhort you. The serving gift is to serve you. Uh, it's, it's about edifying you, maturing you, building you up. The exact same th- thing is true for the gift of evangelism. The exact same thing, thing is true for the gift of evangelism. Let's come back to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and let's read it again. And he gave the evangelist to win souls. And he gave the evangelist to do tent revivals and bring people to Christ. That's not what it says, is it? He gave the evangelist to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. See, here's what I want you to understand. Anybody with the gift is going to evangelize. They're going to fulfill the Great Commission. Are you with me? If you got that gift, you you could no more not evangelize than you could not breathe. You have to do it. You, you just you are driven to do it. So they're going to evangelize in churches. They're going to evangelize in tents. They're going to evangelize on street corners. They're going to evangelize in the Walmart parking lot. And there is nothing wrong with that. That is good. That is a wonderful thing to do. What I need you to understand is that winning souls is not the only reason they're given the gift. That's not the only reason they're given the gift. According to Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, they're given the gift to help you fulfill the Great Commission. They're given the gift of evangelism evangelism to equip you to be able to go out and share your faith. And that, think about it. That's a beautiful thing. Which is better, one man preaching the gospel or a hundred? Right? See, a hundred people can reach far more people than one person ever can. This is why, if you think about an evangelist that's training other people to evangelize, how much more effective is that in fulfilling the Great Commission? Because now you're not just talking about adding, you're talking about multiplying. If a hundred people go out and win two people a year, that's 200. You know, if a hundred people win, are you with me? See, this is, I think, is what we've left out and missed about the gift of evangelism is we just think, well, you know, go do the tent meeting, go do the revival, go do the street ministry, do all that. That's what you do. But we've left out the fact that one of the callings of the evangelist is to train you and me, to teach you and me, to equip you and me. So here's the question about this gift, and we've answered this with every gift or brought this up with every gift. How does this relate to river of life? How does this relate to River of Life? Well, here's the thing. I looked at a quick uh, survey. This was a Barna survey. And it asked U.S. Christians, what are the barriers to making disciples? Or in other ways, what's a barrier for you sharing your faith? Almost 47%, 40% of people, 37% of people said, I don't feel qualified or equipped. Are you with me? I, I, I would love to share my faith, but I just I don't feel equipped. I, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? Right? I mean, it, let me ask you a question. And, and I, I hope the answer is yes. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I can't understand a person that's, not, that's born again that would not have at least the desire to share their faith. 
Now, I'm sure many of you here tonight are like me. We all have a desire to do it. We just stink at it. Are you with me? We, we're jealous of those people that just seem they can do it so easy. But we all want to do it. Because if you don't want to do it, something's wrong. If there's no desire to tell anybody about the, 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 my King and my Savior that saved my life and changed me and, and gave me not only my life back here, but gave me eternal life. If there's no desire to talk about that, something is inherently wrong. So I'm assuming that if you're here tonight and you're born again, if you're here tonight and you know Jesus, there is a desire down deep inside of you. Man, I, I wish I could share I wish I was better at this. Maybe you say things like this. I wish I were bolder. I wish I had more courage. I I wish I had the answers to, to, you know, what if they asked me a question? I wish I was more outgoing. I I wish I knew the way to start the conversation without it being awkward. Are you with me? I could go on and on and on. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to help you. We're going to help you. If you have the desire... What we're going to do with this gift here at River of Life, and we've got at, at least two men that I know of in this church that I believe have the gift of evangelism. And I've already talked to both of these men, and I've asked them, will you teach us how? Will you teach us how? Now, I don't have all the specifics. I don't know if we'll do soul-winning classes. I don't know if, if I, don't, I don't know. Right? I don't know the ins and outs. I just know that both of these men are willing um, to, 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 to sit down with us. And I'm one of them. This is not my gift. I, I don't have the gift of evangelism. But I want to be better. I want to be bolder. I, I, want, I, want to, I, I want all those things. I want to be like them. I probably never will be like them. But I can certainly share my faith more. I can learn and educate myself to, uh, to, and equip myself to be better moving forward. So that's how this gift is going to be used here at, at River of Life. Um, maybe, maybe again, I, I, I don't want to give too many details because we don't know them yet. But like I said, maybe we do classes. Maybe we do door-to-door ministry where you go out with one of these men or somebody that's done it before. And uh, you realize, um, I remember years ago I went out with somebody door-to-door and I was amazed I was absolutely amazed how he did it. I'd never seen anything like it. It was so smooth, and it was unobtrusive, and uh, he, he just did it in a way, and he did the same thing every time. He just had a routine. He just had a routine, and he followed that routine, and, and it, was, it was an amazing thing. And it changed how I viewed it, because I thought, I mean, how are you even going to start a conversation, right? Um, so uh, maybe we do some things like that. But if you, here's what I want you to know, and I'll close with this. If you want to share your faith, then one of the things we want the gift of evangelism to do here at River of Life is to equip you to do that very thing, to equip you to do that very thing. Uh, Next week, we'll turn to the uh, fourth gift, which is the uh, shepherds. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you. As always, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that... Father, if we'll only apply ourselves, uh, that, that what you have for us there is so clear and so precise and so concise. And God, uh, just thank you. Thank you for the gift of evangelism. Thank you for the ones that have it here at River of Life. And I pray, God, that you would bless them.
not just to win souls as they evangelize, but bless them to teach others, us, to equip us how to do what they do. And, Father, I just pray that in the days ahead um, that, God, as we implement this ministry, that we'll have the evangelists bringing them, uh, we'll have the shepherds taking care of them, we'll have the teachers discipling them. And, and Father, this, this, this ministry, this church will change us, it'll change our families, and it'll change our county. We love you, and we thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.